Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Hey, friends. Um, if we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Crooksy. I'm the lead pastor here. It's such a treat for us to see so many guests with us this morning. Uh, today, we're going to be celebrating a baptism. Josh is getting baptized this morning. Very, very excited about that. Um, some guests are here for the first time, some uh, regular recurring guests. Um, love that. Such a treat for us. Um, we are going to continue our little mini-series for the summer where we are tier-listing the judges that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32. Since we've got the time, the writer to the Hebrews didn't have time to write all about that, but we've got time, so we're getting into it. And last week we talked about Gideon, and we learned from the start of the things that he did that um, choosing faith over fear is a really good thing for us to do. But we also learned from the end of his life that um, being faithful to the end really counts because that's something where Gideon um, really, uh, really failed. Um, we've, got our, we've got our tier list. Um, we decided to pop Gideon into the B category, really high highs, really low lows. Um, and that tier list looks a little empty, but do not fear, my dudes, because today we are going to be tackling not one, but two judges as we talk about Deborah and Barak. But before we get into that, I haven't forgotten to bless you this morning. Um, I bless you in the name of Jesus to know Jesus even more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing in your mind, in your body, in your emotions, and in your spirit today. I bless you with guidance and with help from God so that you can prevail in whatever circumstances you find yourself facing in this season so that you can flourish. And I bless you with the hope and the love and the joy and the peace of God today. May it be good times. We're talking Judges, and that means talking the book of Judges. And just as a way of reminder from last week, the book of Judges contains a little cycle, and the book of Judges goes like this. The people abandon Yahweh, their God, and they sin, and then God lets the bad guys take over for a while, and then the people cry out to God for help, so he raises up a judge to rescue them, and then there is peace for a while, but only for a while, because the peace tends to only last for the length of time of the judge who rescued them and his or her life. And once they die, the whole thing starts all over again and usually gets a little bit worse. So when we pick up the events that we're going to look at today that actually comes in the chapter before we meet Gideon, we're not surprised that things kind of start on a bit of a diner. So let's read Judges chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. Uh, the words are going to be up on the screen as I read. And it says this, the Israelites 
again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. Um, so the Lord sold them to King Jabin um, of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth of the nations. And then the Israelites cried out to the Lord because Jabin had 900 iron chariots and he harshly oppressed them for 20 years. And Sisera just sounds like a bad guy's name, doesn't it? Like you're getting like menacing vibes off Sisera for sure. And just to add to that, we find out that the army that he commands is huge and is very well resourced. 900 iron chariots. And all the Bible dorks here in the room are already like, yo, dun, dun, dun. Because Iron chariots had meant defeat to God's people in the not so distant past. And now the bad guys are like pure overkilling it on the whole iron chariot thing. So it's not looking good for our dudes, but at least knowing this gives us a little bit of context for how these events play out. Um, the, a bunch of the judges, not all of them, but a bunch of the judges are military dudes. And we see here a military problem. We're expecting a military solution. Ehud gets a little name drop in that bit that we just read. And he was someone raised up as a judge, a military leader who assassinated the bad guy king and then raised up an army to fight the bad guy army and defeated them. Like a military problem requiring a military solution. And I guess we saw that with Gideon last week as well, do you know? So we're kind of thinking there's going to be a military solution. But then our expectations are subverted. And instead of getting a warrior, like valiant or otherwise, we meet a prophetess. And Deborah is judging Israel at this time, at least in her geographic zone. And loads of the judges were just like active in like one little geographic area. So it was quite common for like different judges to be judging in different places at the same time, and it seems from the narrative that both Deborah and Barak are judging at the same time in different places. I've got a little map for you, and this first little map, okay, so firstly from this map, we can see that um, the land of Israel during the time of the judges looks quite a lot like a squished Ireland. It just kind of does. And secondly, that like Ireland, all the geopolitical tension seems to be happening in the north. You can see there, number one is where Barak is from. Number two is where Jabin reigns from. They're practically neighbors. And Sisera is stationed uh, there at number three, like not a million miles away, about 50 to 70 miles away, depending on the route that they would travel. But it would be very fast travel because they've got all them chariots. They're gonna get there in a flash. All of that is happening up in the north, just like in Ireland. But we can also see, uh, bringing up number five there, that Deborah is stationed further south in the like Galway, Roscommon area. Sorry, I meant Ephraim. And she judges in Ephraim. And she is down there in the south. And she kind of does things a little bit differently. She is a mediator between like dis uh, disputing parties. If you have got something that you need sorted out, you take it to her. She's kind of a boss and she's going to sort that out for you. She's not a military dude. 
but we have a military problem. So meeting her is like, hmm, okay, what are we going to do to get a military solution to this military problem? Because it kind of seems like everything is going on up there and that the responsibility to bring a little bit of resistance against Sisera and Jabin lies with Barak, but he is AWOL. So Deborah summons him down south for a little parlay. And she reminds him that God has commanded him to go and fight and that God has a plan for this fight. And God's plan for this fight is that Barak is going to win this fight. So can you just? And he says he will just. He's going to go and fight Sisera as long as Deborah goes with him. Feels like in every duo, there's like the main dude and then a bit of a sidekick, isn't it? kind of happens for everything, you know, there's like Batman and Robin, obviously, but there's like Simon and Garfunkel, the order matters, Kylie and Jason, Jamie and Crooksy, the order matters. And there was a brief moment in my life, just after we moved to Portland, where it was Crooksy and Jamie, but then those guys figured out the whole Jamie deal, and the world's order was restored. The order definitely matters. And here it definitely seems to be a Deborah and Barack thing. There is no doubt as to who is the boss up in here. So picture this, right? You're doing karaoke. I know you love karaoke. And you're doing a wee duet and you're sharing the microphone and it's all great. But then when it gets to the crescendo of the song, like the high moment, your partner just grabs that mic and has like a moment to themselves. And you're left just standing there. It's kind of Barack. <laughs> That's kind of the way he does. Um, it's definitely Deborah and Barack and not Barack and Deborah. And that order matters. And I don't really want to spoil the story because we're going to get to it and it's good. But I guess I kind of have already spoiled the story with that judges cycle. We know that the people have abandoned God. We know that God let the bad guys take over for a while. We know that he's going uh, to hear the people cry out. We know he's going to raise up a judge. Um, also via Deborah and Barack is going to go and he's going to fight the bad guys and he's going to win and there's going to be peace for a while. Sorry that I spoiled the story but we kind of know what's going to go on here and as far as Barack goes that's kind of that's kind of the way things play out and there's not like a huge amount to say about Barack. I mean sure he was slacking on his responsibilities for a second but I mean who really wants to go and fight against the Iron Chariot dudes, like not Barack, but then he does. He does go and do it. And we kind of see something pretty similar to what we saw in Gideon, like a reluctance at the start, but then he goes and he gets the job done. He's kind of like Gideon, just without Gideon's terrible, terrible ending. So with Barak, let's cut to the chase and put him on the tier list. I think it's fair to say that um, his like, lack of taking responsibility keeps him out of the S tier, um, which stands for super, by the way. Um, some people were wondering why S is first. Um, apparently, it's a Japanese academic rating thing, which has reached pop culture, I think, via video games. Now you know. Um, he's not in the S tier. He wasn't responsible enough. But he doesn't have that terrible ending that Gideon had, so that spares him the B tier. I think he fits in the A tier. He gets the job done. We can extract a couple of lessons from Barack, though. Like, firstly, let's not neglect our responsibilities. Do you know, like, don't neglect your responsibilities. God has put you in a place, and you know that there is good that you can do in that zone. So let's do good 
in that zone. And sometimes that will take a little bit of risk taking, like stepping out of your comfort zone. I'm sure Barack could tell you all about that. They had 900 iron chariots. But doing nothing achieves nothing, but being obedient achieves victory and progress and good. And I'm sure that Barack could tell you all about that too. There's a big positive lesson that we can take away from Barack's example is that victory comes through obedience. When we do what God is asking us to do in line with his promises in faith, good things happen. They just do. Something I didn't get time for last week was to talk through the list of reasons why these dudes appear in a list in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, because the writer gives like a list of all these names that he doesn't have time to talk about, and then gives like a whole big list of reasons why they are on the list, and he saves some time by like grouping it all together, I guess. So let's look at this now and see if anything applies to Barak. What more can I say? Time is too short to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign enemies to flight. And you can see from up there that actually quite a lot of this applies to Barak. So if the writer to the Hebrews had time to write about Barak specifically, maybe they would have written something like, by faith, Barak faced down the military might of Jabin and Sisera and put them to flight. By faith, through believing and acting on the promises God gave him, he brought freedom from oppression to the people of Israel. Or something like that. Maybe you could come up with something even more fun. It took him a hot minute, but Barak did good, A tier. But now we get to the big question. If it's really Deborah and Barak, and, Deborah, or, and Barak gets on the list in Hebrews chapter 11 for his contributions here, why is Deborah not on like the Hall of Fame list? It's not going to be because she's a lassie, because Sarah and Rahab are on the list and they're lassies. And it's strange that she's not on the list. Let's talk about Deborah for a minute. She shows initiative. She takes responsibility. She motivates. She shows that she has more faith in God's words for Barak than Barak does for himself. And she goes to battle with Barak, even though she's not a military dude strange that she's not on the Hebrews list. When I was thinking about Deborah this week, I mean, I have to admit to you, friends, I think I have been doing the thing that I kind of warned against last week, where I've been taking something that I know from later on in the story and actually coupling it up with some of my own like experiences in life and then putting that onto the Bible as I read it. There's especially something that comes in um, chapter five, which is a song that Deborah and Barak sing, their karaoke moment. And I project that onto how I read Deborah's character in chapter four. And it's specifically this like mother in Israel bit. Do you know, the villages were deserted. They were deserted in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, a mother in Israel. Do you think Barak is even touching that microphone? No, 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 he is not. 
And I think it's the mother part that gets me in there because thinking about my own mum and my experiences of being mothered by her, um, I think that's really like colored how I've received Deborah's character. Do you know, because when I look at Deborah and I think about my own mum, I can see that they have actually like a lot in common. Like both are compassionate and helpful, both are doers, and both are ready to take on extra responsibility to make a thing happen. Both are willing to take on extra responsibility to make something easier for someone else. And both do that gladly without complaining. Deborah is a good dude, and I see in her like things that I have seen from my mum. So that like mother in Israel piece, that makes sense to me. But then that's kind of just meant that I only see Deborah through the lens of Joan Crooks, and there's nothing outside of that that really makes sense to the whole Deborah thing to Crooksy. But there's more to Deborah some that because uh, because when um, she's singing her song. I don't think that these are the only motherly characteristics or even the primary motherly characteristics that Deborah was thinking about when she sang her song. And as I've been thinking about her and reflecting on Deborah's character this week and studying that, I've been like, oh, there's more to it here and more to her than just like a reflection of my mum. And the first thing that really like pointed that to me was the way she finished her interaction with Barack when Barack says, I'll go, but only if you come too. She says, I will gladly go with you. Okay, cool, I can see my mum in that. But then she says, but you will receive no honor on the road you're about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman. And that's the first sign that I really shouldn't take my personal experiences and just apply them to a Bible character. They are different people, of course. I mean, that's the first sign. But here I've got a little bit of evidence because my mother um, speaks a little bit more gently and a little bit less directly and a little bit with less of a sharp tongue than Deborah does. Deborah is not here to be messed around with ladies and gentlemen she's not pulling any punches and this is a little bit of a funny statement I'm like I'm not entirely sure how to take this you'll get no honor because you're about to um you're gonna take or or you're not gonna get any honor on the road you're about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman because that kind of would make us think that Barak must be so embarrassed that a woman is doing his job. Oh, the shame. And to be fair, we do see that attitude from another character later on in the book, but they are a bad guy character and not somebody whose actions or attitudes we want to emulate. But for Barak though, he hasn't really displayed that he has any problems in being told what to do by a woman or in asking a woman for help. So I'm like, hmm, I get that like in ancient times, gender roles were very different, but Barack seems to be put, given a lot of respect to Deborah. We know who the boss in this relationship is. We know who's holding the microphone. She says, come here, and he comes here. And she says, we're going to have a little talk. And they have a little talk. And that little talk says, you're going to go and fight that dude. And she, he goes to fight the dude. We know who the boss is here. And I suppose from this statement, we might end up thinking that Barack's not gonna get any honor, but that Deborah is going to be the woman who gets the honor because she seems to be the one who is in control right now. 
again our expectations get subverted as we get into the main part of the narrative, uh, which kind of goes like this. You know, this story is nuts. If you're not familiar with this story, it is definitely, definitely, definitely worth a read for yourself in Judges chapter four, but I'm about to spoil it all for you. Um, so uh, they go to battle, both of them go to battle against Sisera and his 900 iron chariots and God does the thing that he says he's going to do and he uh, like hands the victory to Barak and like Sisera and his army freak out and they ditch their chariots and they run away on foot and Sisera goes that way and his army goes that way and they like aren't they're not going to get very far but they're going to give it a good go and Sisera is running for his life but he's running through mountainous desert I've got another little map for you. He's looking for a place to hide and he hides like maybe number six in like this place. Um, maybe it's in that zone. Some people think it's in that zone. The Bible does identify it as being near Kedesh, which is further north where Barak is from, which seems to be a pretty strange place for Sisera to flee to. But that's what the Bible says. A little bit of debate of where it's at, but it doesn't really matter. He's looking for a safe place and he thinks he's found it in the tent of a lady called Jael and um, he goes in and he's like I'm safe here because she th he thinks he's, he's safe here because Jael's husband has made peace with Jabin I was running into enemy territory but now I have found a friend okay good I'm going to be safe and dude is wiped out he's just had that battle didn't go according to plan he's been running through the desert mountains it's been awful but Jael is a good host she says oh no 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 come in come in come in have a little lie down and he comes and has have a wee blanket son there's a wee blanket and he's like oh thanks pal thanks pal um, can I do you mind if I have a drink of water before I have a sleep and she's like aye of course we man gives him milk instead gives him desert milk oh yum I love desert milk nothing quenches the like post battle running across the mountains thirst quite like desert milk nothing is going to cool you down like desert milk have some desert milk wee man and come and have a lie down here and he does and he goes to sleep and while he is asleep she takes a hammer and a tent peg and she drives that tent peg through his temple into the ground and as the bible puts it in a very understated fashion and he died yeah you think <laughs> You think he maybe died. So Cicero went that way and he met his fate. The army went the other way and Barak has chased them down, kept the battle going. He has found them. He has won victory. Good man Barak, A tier. And now he is shifting his attention to going to find Cicero and finishing the job. And he's hunting in the hills. And eventually, Jael is like, yo, like, will you see what I've got in my tent? And he comes and has a look. And there's your man, pure dead on the ground, like bleeding all over this lassie's tent. And on that day, the Lord broke the military might of King Jabin in Israel. But this time, the people keep going until they have the job finished. And it's not just they break him and allow him to recover, but they eradicate that from the land. They take complete victory. Faithfulness until the end. Well done, friends. I love that for you. Which brings us to chapter five and this song, Deborah and Barak's karaoke moment. 
and no surprises who is holding the mic here, do you know? Deborah doesn't pull any punches. And her song has like this um, structure to it. I'm gonna bring out some of the juiciest pieces. Like first up, she sings about the leaders of Israel and how when they take responsibility for their leadership, God is blessed. And she says like, when the leaders lead in Israel, praise the Lord and blessed be the Lord. And you're like, yeah, cool, that sounds good. I wonder how Barak received that. Do you know, kind of feels like a little bit of a backhanded compliment. Like when you lead in Israel, the Lord is blessed, but if you could do things a little bit faster, because you weren't always doing that, were you? Barak's just standing there like, oh. But, I mean, he did it, he eventually did it, and that's good. Like. Deborah's laying it on, and then she goes on to sing about how things are really bad, yada, 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 there was no fighting us, blah, 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 but then Deborah appears. Everything stinks, but I, Deborah, arose, and Barak, I guess, he was there too. Deborah is here, do not fear. And then she goes on to talk about all the people who helped, and she has special honor for Jael and that, but the juicy part is when she talks about the people who didn't help. She says, there was great searching of the heart among the clans of Reuben. Why did you sit among your sheep pens, listening to the playing of pipes to the flock? Oh, there was great searching of the heart among the clans of Reuben. Gilead remained beyond the Jordan. Dan, why'd you linger at your ships? Asher remained at the seashore, stayed in his harbors. The people of Zebulun defied death. Naphtali also on the battlefield. Yo, these dudes are putting their necks out for you. And you're sitting playing your little pipes to the sheep and sitting in your boats? What's happened? Where were you? My dude has no time for people who don't get the job done. There was great searching of the heart. Do you hear the irony dripping off her words? Like they're sitting like playing little tunes to their sheep. They're not thinking about these people putting their necks out. They're just having a lovely time. A great searching of the heart. She is not taking any prisoners. And I suppose we should expect this. Like she is a total boss. She is the one who mediates between disputing parties. That's her job. She is used to having to lay down the law. She is used to being able to say things that maybe other people would find it hard to say. She is used to saying things that maybe people would find it hard to receive, but just saying them. Her job is to settle disputes. She's used to being in control. She's able to be setting a standard like, like a mum. She's protective over the people, like she's protective over her dudes. And she can be encouraging when she needs to be, but she also is like, yo, in this family. And she sets the standards the way that she should as a good mum. And she does that by bringing accountability to actually everyone. And we know that accountability maintains high standards. Deborah feels like a leader among leaders in Israel, she sets the tone. She shows that she is going to be quick to obedience and she expects that from other people. She knows like, hey, Barak, God said this. That's a promise. Go and do the thing. He's like, all you other dudes, in this family, we help each other out. Where were you? This is not the way we act in this family. She sets a standard. She maintains it like a mother does. She's a good mom to Israel. She has all the kindness and compassion and the helpful and all that stuff, but she's also 
not here to be messed around with. And I like that. I like that about Deborah. She's a good mum. Speaking of mothers, yo, um, Deborah plays the mom card on Cicera, and it's kind of brutal. At the end of her song, like, get this, she says, Cicera's mother looked out the window. She peered through the lattice, crying out, oh, where is his chariot so long in coming? Why don't I hear the hoofbeats of his horses? But her wisest princesses answer her, even answers herself. They not finding and dividing the spoil, a girl or two for each warrior, a spoil of colored garments for Sisera, a spoil of an embroidered garment or two for my neck. Lord, may your enemies perish as Sisera did. And you're just like, yo, oh, look at his wee mum looking out the window. <laughs> she thinks he's going to bring her back a scarf. <laughs> Lol, he's dead. I'm sorry, Cicero can't come to the phone right now. Why? Oh, because he's dead. Deborah is cold-blooded, my dudes. Like making fun of someone because their kid has just died. Kind of harsh. I'm just going to set that aside for a second. But something I really do appreciate about Deborah is how seriously she takes herself and her role. She is a leader in Israel, but she kind of feels like a leader among leaders in Israel. So I'm going to put her in the S tier. Get that girl in the S tier right this very second. She's not playing. She's doing it right. She is doing it right. She takes her role seriously. She lives it. She talks the talk. She walks the walk, and she maintains what is good in Israel, and I love that, especially calling people to obedience and a high standard of obedience. I respect that about Deborah. So what could we say about her if we were to be the writer to the Hebrews? Maybe we could say, by faith, Deborah leaned on the promises of the Lord and called the leaders of Israel to obedience. Through her accountability and example of obedience, Israel's leaders rose up and claimed the victory God had promised. Look, I don't know why she got left off that list in Hebrews chapter 11. Seems like she would fit right in. There must have been a reason. It won't just be because he forgot about her to write about her. There must be a reason, I don't know, but that's not gonna stop me. Not knowing is not gonna stop me from learning what I can learn from Deborah and from Barak and from their example for how we live, that I am not going to neglect my responsibilities. I'm going to do the good that I can in the places where I am while I have a chance. And I am going to see my obedience produce good things for God's kingdom because we know that God blesses people who come close to him in obedience. And I am going to seek from people and give to people accountability so that standards get held high. And I would highly suggest being more like Deborah for you as well. Know where God has put you and do good where he has put you. See him bring victory in those spaces and set the standard for people and help other people meet the standard. These are good dudes, like S tier, A tier, good dudes. Friends, I've got a challenge for you this week. And uh, that challenge is to think about um, the thing in your life that you know could do with a little obedience boost that you could get through some accountability. And I, I guess the real challenge is who is that person? 
who can bring that accountability and that obedience boost into your life. Like it's gotta be someone that you can hear it from. It seems that Deborah and Barack are peers. So maybe that's something to think about as you try to identify your person, someone you can relate to. But it also does feel like Deborah is a leader among leaders and that she's just like that little step ahead of Barack. So he is able to receive from her. Like who do you know who's maybe just a little step ahead of you. Maybe they have seen some victory in the area that you want to see victory in your own life. Like, think about that. Needs to be someone that you know, needs to be someone that you respect. There's no point in having someone who you don't see all the time. There's no point in having someone that you don't respect. There's no point in having someone where this is gonna just fall apart. So identify that person and then ask them, if they would be willing to bring that accountability into your life as you pursue obedience. And I suppose the real challenge is ask them to ask you how it's going on a regular basis so that the conversation keeps staying open so that things don't slip, so that standards don't slip. Who is that person and how can they bring some accountability into your life? Um, friends, we are about to move into a time of response, but uh, before we do, um, can I pray for you real quick? Um, God, we bless you and we love you. We thank you for Deborah. We thank you for Barack and we thank you for the examples that uh, they have given us. And God, I bless, um, I bless you for what you do and bringing victory through us and for us. You're a wonderful God. You're the exact kind of God that we need and we've got you. You're wonderful in all your ways. Help us, bless us with obedience. Bless us with hearts that want to. Bless us with like um, drive and motivation to, and perseverance to do good in the zone that we have. God, and I pray that you would um, provide people for us to help us to be accountable so that we can live our lives in a way that honors you in the places that you've put us. You're a good God. You're a good God, worthy to be praised and worthy to be followed the ways that you say. You're wonderful, truly wonderful, and we love you. Amen.